questions that we had together. And, and in talking with my mom, my dad passed away of cancer when I was 11 years old. And uh, talking with my mom, he was a big blessing to our family in those times, just calling and checking in and seeing how my mom was doing. And uh, so our hearts continue to be with you. But I'm also excited to know that Pastor Gary was used of God to build a church that lives on beyond him. Amen. I think that's something Pastor Gary would be excited about to know that that is happening and going well. And Pastor Ben uh, and Angie, we just love these guys. I remember, uh, boy, 11, well, boy, it's been longer than that now. How many years ago? uh, You guys came down just as new youth pastors, came to visit in Sioux Falls, and we went to lunch. And uh, uh, they were young and green and and, uh, starry-eyed. And uh, and we built a friendship, and, uh, and over the years, doing ministry together in the district has been so fun. And to see you guys step into this role now, serving this church in this capacity, uh, has been so incredible to see. And I just want to publicly speak a blessing over you guys as you've been serving, um, not just for today, but for in the years to come. A blessing over your family, a blessing over your ministry for how you have served and how you have loved this church um, through a difficult season. I don't know what happens next. I don't, God, God knows that, but no matter what he has for you, I'm asking for increase in your life and in your ministry and extra blessing upon you. And if you agree with me, would you say amen? Amen. 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 God is good. <clears throat> Before we get into it this morning, I want to introduce my wife last but not least. Natalie is here with me. Natalie, stand up. Do the wave. Come on, the whole Vanna White thing. There you go. <laughs> Uh, um, we've been married now for 12, almost 13 years, and our three kiddos are up in kids' church. Caitlin's nine, Lucas is eight, and Abigail is six, and they keep us very, very, very busy. Um, my wife is a full-time teacher teaching high school at Lincoln in Sioux Falls, and uh, that is her calling, and she does it very, very well. Um, and it's just such a, an honor and a pleasure to be a part of the ministry that's taking place in this district. I'm a district kid. I grew up in South Dakota in the Assemblies of God as a kid. In fact, it was so uh, awesome this morning to see Cindy Myers here. She was my Sunday school teacher in Brandon when I was a little kid. And what better day than on a youth Sunday to highlight somebody who poured their life into kids at a young age. Thank you for your investment in me. It means a lot. Um, Many of you in this church, you give your investment into the next generation, and I want you to know you might not see it now, but down the road you will see a return. Amen? Amen. Many of you know the story of the Titanic. Some hundred years ago, it was the world's largest passenger ship. It It was the finest, it was the largest, and probably the fastest. They hadn't yet tested it up till that point. It was touted as unsinkable, right? You all heard the story. And on its maiden voyage... From Britain to America, they were, they were hauling across the North Pacific, and, and the captain wanted this to be a profound first journey, and so he really put the pedal to the metal, and so they were moving really fast, and it made it difficult for them to avoid those icebergs. And so south of Newfoundland was where they crashed into the iceberg, and even when that happened, they didn't think much of it. This was the unsinkable ship. But as the hours went on, they realized that the damage to the ship was so bad, and as you know, the ship began to sink. Women and children were soon loaded into lifeboats, but as they were loading people into lifeboats, they soon realized they didn't have enough. Why would an unsinkable ship need lifeboats for everybody? And so they didn't have enough lifeboats for everyone. And so at that moment, as the boat was sinking, and as they realized there was no opportunity for them to get into a lifeboat, you can imagine the fear that started to rise among the people. You can imagine the 
the questions they were asking themselves as that fear began to rise. Will I ever get to do this again? Will I ever see my loved ones again? Will I, will I, will I? And that fear began to rise. And, and I imagine in that moment as the ship began to go down and people were jumping overboard into the water, into the freezing cold water, that you could hear screams, that you could hear people calling out into the night for help. It was a still, quiet night. And as you know, on the water, your voice carries. And so you could have been probably miles away and heard the cries of those who were hurting, those who were lost, those who were dying. They were in the water and they were clinging to, they were clinging to these, uh, the debris that was floating around and trying anything they could do to save themselves. But they were dying. And on that day, over 1,500 people died in the sinking of the Titanic. It seems so long ago and so distant in our minds. We've only heard stories. None of us were there the day that it happened or even alive at the day that it happened. But it has so many similarities to our world today. In our world today, if we tune our ear, we can hear those same cries. We can hear the cries of the hurting, the broken, the lost, calling out to us in many different ways, many different volumes, and many different voices saying, will somebody help us? Will somebody save us? Will somebody give us hope? Will somebody give us peace? Will somebody give us direction for my life? There's a crying out in our world. And even right here in Aberdeen, there's hurting, broken, and lost people who are crawling, crying out. And so I want to ask you this morning, church, through the noise and the chaos, it's, it's not like the North Pacific where it was a quiet night. Our life is busy. It's chaotic. It's noisy. Through all of that chaos, can you hear the cries of the lost? Can you hear the cries of the lost this morning? Today, I'm excited to be a part of Speed the Light Sunday as I get to share with you about what is happening here in South Dakota for Speed the Light. If you've been in this church for a year or longer, I'm sure you've heard about Speed the Light. Pastor Ben just shared a little bit about it. Speed the Light provides uh, transportation, creative communication, and compassionate demonstration for our missionaries to tell the world about Jesus. So we buy missionary vehicles, uh, we've built water wells, we've provided projectors and sound systems all throughout the world so that missionaries have what they need to tell people about Jesus. Without Speed the Light, the tools would not be there and the missionaries' jobs would be infinitely harder and in many cases even impossible. I was told one story of a missionary in a Middle Eastern nation who was, Speed the Light bought them camels so that they could get into some of these far remote villages across the desert. And when they got there with the camels, they met the people and they ministered to the people, but the people had been going through a famine. They were starving. And so they decided, what better use of our Speed the Light dollars than to slaughter our camels and feed the people? And that's what they did. I don't know how they ever got back. Maybe they saved one and they all rode one out. I don't know. But they slaughtered those camels. So Speed the Light is doing some pretty creative things. Speed the Light is what helps get Jesus to the people who need him most. That's what Speed the Light does. And before we move on into our message this morning, I want to share with you a little bit of the excitement of what is taking place through Speed the Light right here in South Dakota, through you guys as a church but also through your, your teenagers as, as they're sacrificially giving throughout the year. In just the last four years, we've done some incredible things with Speed the Light. We've bought some missionary vehicles, some new ones. We've also refurbished some old ones for missionaries in Lesotho, in Mexico, in Zambia, and even in Colorado. 
We've given tens of thousands of dollars to Convoy of Hope. Many of you know what Convoy of Hope is. They provide critical needs to those who are going through uh, disasters um, or, or in, in difficult places where they don't have food, they don't have water. They're bringing those supplies to them and meeting their needs. We've given tens of thousands of dollars to WorldServe International, uh, which is building water wells in East Africa. And what they do is they go in and they partner with the Kenyan Assemblies of God or the Tanzanian Assemblies of God, and they go in and they put these water wells right on church property. So out in this vast uh, wasteland, seemingly, of the savannah, they have these churches that have sprung up, and they put a water well right there. And what's actually happening in Kenya is a revival. They're seeing a revival take place there. Normally, we think that water puts out a fire, but what's actually happening is the water wells in Kenya are fueling the fire of revival because people are coming from miles around to get clean drinking water at the turn of a dial. They don't even have to hand pump it. They have solar-powered pumps that bring the water to the surface. They can turn it on, so they're getting clean drinking water, but they're also getting the water of life, amen? And that's a pretty cool thing that we get to be a part of and that our teenagers get to be a part of. Uh, we've also just this year bought a, a big giant circus tent that our friends, the triplets in El Salvador, they use that for their church every week. And the one they had before that they used for many years was getting old, and so we were able to purchase that for them. And right now, we've just completed a project providing uh, sound systems, projectors, um, and generators for over 30 nations to, through a ministry called One Hope. Many of you have heard of One Hope to show the Godman film. And what they do is they go into these remote villages and they, they set up the Godman film with the generator and the projector. And first, the first night, it's usually the kids. The kids come and watch the, the film. And then the next night, they go back and they get their family and their family comes and, and watches the film. And then their family goes back and gets more people and more people. And what they're doing is they're planting churches throughout many nations with this Godman film. And so it's pretty incredible that we get to be a part of that. This has been all made possible through our Speed the Light giving here in South Dakota. And let me just tell you, I want to give you the numbers. It's far more than numbers, but I want to give you the numbers because you can see the handprint of God on, what, what, of God on what's been happening here. In 2017, uh, teenagers and leaders in South Dakota gave $67,000 for Speed the Light. The next year, in 2018, we gave $99,000. In 2019, we had a record year of giving for Speed the Light, and we gave $110,000. In 2020, just last year, and remember, I don't know if you've forgotten already, but there was a pandemic going on, so this is kind of a big deal. In 2020, we raised $130,000 through Speed the Light, which was, again was a record year. So we came into this year, 2021, and we thought, well, what, what, God's obviously doing something here. What should we set our goal as? So we set our goal at $150,000, which would be about a $20,000 increase over last year. And by the end of youth conference, which was at the beginning of November, with the offering that came in at youth conference, we had already gone over 150,000. It's crazy. These teenagers are getting excited. <clears throat> they're, they're, we've seen so many teenagers sacrificing and giving. They're thinking outside of themselves, and it's so incredible to see. As Pastor Ben mentioned, just this past Wednesday, we had SD1 night. It's our last night to give all together. So all the youth groups across South Dakota, they give on one night, and we celebrate it together. We had over $44,000 come in in one night's offering. So as I stand before you today, I believe we are going to be over $200,000 for Speed the Light this year. Isn't that incredible? Just amazing. Praise God. 
Your church here has been a vital part of that. As Pastor Ben mentioned, this year you guys have already given $5,000, and that has largely been the teenagers raising that and giving out of what they're earning and what they're raising, and they've done an incredible job with that. Over the last three years, in the years that I've been here as a district youth director, Pastor Ben, under his leadership, you guys have raised over 25000 in those years, and that's pretty incredible to see what you guys have done. But the numbers are great, but the big story is what's happening in the hearts and the lives of students and leaders. We're seeing incredible things happen in their hearts and lives as they're hearing God speak to them and acting out in obedience. I believe that Speed the Light and BGMC are our greatest discipleship tools for the next generation, and here's why. When we present Speed the Light and BGMC to students, we say, what do you think God is speaking to you? So a student pauses and they listen to see if God is speaking. And how many of you know students and kids hear God speak more clearly than we do? Many times we write it off. Oh, that was just the tacos last night. That wasn't God, right? But they're like, no, God spoke to me. And so they, they learn to hear the voice of God. They learn to speak that out. God told me to do this. And then they begin to walk in obedience. And we, as adults and leaders, we come around them and we say, go, go, go. Keep chasing after what God has put in your heart. And so they do that. And they, they work and they, they give sacrificially and they generosity rises up in them, which, as you know, fights off greed and materialism in their life as they're thinking about others. Their heart gets ignited for missions and what God is doing globally. And when they bring that offering, they see God do the miraculous. They've seen him do things. They, God might have told them $100, and they come with 200 and they say, I didn't even think I was going to get to do 200 And here's what starts to happen in their heart. They say, if God can do that through me, what else could he do? What could he do if I give him my life? And that's why we use these tools. Yeah, the money's great, and what we're able to do for missions is incredible. But how we disciple these students and kids through the process, that's the real win. And I believe that if we get students and kids giving to missions on a regular basis, they're going to have a hard time walking away from the Lord when they get older. Amen? And that's why we will continue to press on in these, in these uh, programs. Speed the Light is student-initiated, meaning the students say, hey, I want to go for it. But that doesn't mean that adults aren't involved. We come around behind them, and we support them, and we encourage them. And that's what today is about, is to share with you what's been happening and to give you an opportunity to come behind them and say, we believe in you, we see what you're doing, and we want to champion what God is doing in your life. And so that's what we're going to do today. So today, I hope your heart is stirred to be a part of Speed the Light, but, but even more than that, I pray today that your heart is stirred for the lost and the broken people around the world, and even here in Aberdeen. This morning, we're going to look at Mark chapter 5. If you've got your, your Bible with you, or you have your Version Bible app, you can open that up to Mark chapter 5. Today, I want to talk to you about hearing the cries of the lost. With all the brokenness and the hurting in our world, there are so many who are lost, and I wonder, can we hear them? Mark chapter 5, we're going to begin in verse 1. Scripture will be on the screen if you don't have your Bible with you today. I'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. So they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and the hills, howling and cutting himself 
with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send him to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus, and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. Then those who had seen what had happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything that the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of that region and began to proclaim the great things that Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. This morning, I want to talk to you about three people in this story. The first person this morning is probably the most obvious, this demon-possessed man. Let's take a look at the passage that we just read, and let's take a look and see what does it say about this man? What kind of a picture can we get about what this man's life was like? Well, first of all, it says this man was placed outside of the city. It says that he was chained up multiple times. It said that he wandered around aimlessly, that he cut himself with stones, and that he howled. He cried out. And as I read that passage, I couldn't help but see the similarities with this man and so many in our world today. They may not be demon-possessed, but how many people do you know in our world today have been placed outside the city and are lonely? They're dealing with loneliness each and every day. They might have a crowd around them, but they're still lonely. How many people do you know or have you seen that live a life of bondage? They've been chained up time and time again, maybe to addictions, maybe to sin in their life. Those strongholds have gripped them and hold them back and hold them down. So many people in our world today are chained up. So many people we see in life are wandering through life aimlessly. They have no direction. They have no purpose. They're just trying to find something to bring them joy, to bring them pleasure, to bring them fulfillment. They're walking around aimlessly. Unfortunately, we also see so many people these days that are hurting themselves. This man was cutting himself with stones. He was, he was hurting himself. And we see so many, even kids, who are harming themselves, who are hurting themselves physically, emotionally, mentally. They're hurting their own bodies. And they're screaming out and crying out in pain, just as this man was. This man was howling and crying out. And there are so many people in our world today who are crying out in pain and misery. Some of you in this room, you've been there. That's your story. There was a point in time where you were crying out, will someone help me? Will someone save me? 
Will someone tell me there's, there's got to be more than this to life? Each of us knows people who are going through life and living life in the way they think is best, but it doesn't take an expert to, to listen close and listen and hear them crying out for help. Even some who seemingly have it all together, those who seem to have the best life, they've got all the money they need, they've got all the popularity they, they need, but if you're really to get to the heart of it, they're lonely and they're hurting and they're broken. That's our world today. This man represents your neighbor. This man represents your coworker. This man represents the, the student at school who shares a locker with you or who's on the soccer team with you. This person represents our world today, the hurting, the broken, and the lost. Our world is screaming for help, and they may not know what the answer is, but in so many ways, they're just screaming out for anything. But friends, you and I have the answer, amen? amen. You and I have the answer. If you have the hope of Jesus Christ inside of you, you have what they are asking for. I want to ask you this morning, church, can you hear the cries of the lost? And if you have the answer, will you give it to them? The second person in our story today is the townspeople, actually a group of people. What is the life of the townspeople like? Let's take a look at that. First of all, just from the passage we just read, we understand that the people who were in this town, they knew who this man was, said that they had gone out there. So they, they knew who this man was. They heard him crying during the day, during the night. They knew who this man was. It was a part of the fabric of their city, of their everyday life. In fact, the kids going to sleep at night would probably hear that man howling out in the hills as they're trying to fall asleep. And, and it kind of became the soundtrack to their life. What was the solution to, the, to this problem, this man? Well, the, the city folk, they, they thought, hey, why don't, I, why don't we go out and why don't we try to restrain him? Why don't we try to chain him and hold him back and keep him away from us? You see, the townsfolk, they didn't want his mess to get on them. The townsfolk didn't want anything to do with him because he was so different. He was so broken. He was so hurting. He was so lost that they just didn't even want to deal with it anymore. And for their best interests of their livelihood, of their town, their best interest was to just keep him chained up out there. Because they had restrained him so many times, they had to have seen how he was hurting himself. They had to have seen the cuts on his arms and on his body, how he was bleeding, how he had sores. They had to have seen how hurt he was. And what did they do? Nothing. They just tried to keep him restrained and leave him alone. So what does this all show us about the townspeople? Although the life of these townspeople was greatly impacted daily by this man's mis misery, they never tried to help him. They never tried to bring restoration to him. For years, they heard his screams, they knew his pain, and yet they did nothing to help him. In fact, they tried to keep him just as far away as possible. And I wonder, friends, this morning, is that ever us? Are we more focused about keeping lost people at a distance so they don't get their mess on us? People who don't know Jesus and who are living life a completely different way than we are comes with a lot of baggage comes with a lot of hurt, a lot of junk. And sometimes I think our churches and, and us as believers, we say, I'd rather just not deal with that. 
I'd rather not get that mess on me. That's too inconvenient for me. And just like these townspeople, we chain them up and keep them at a distance. I wonder how long it had been since these townsfolk had gone out there and how, they, how long it had been since they tried to restrain him. Because they realized that nothing could hold him back. They had chained him again and again and again. And eventually they realized nothing can hold him back. And so they must have stopped trying. So over a period of time, they got to a point where they just stopped paying attention to him. They just started ignoring him. Maybe like the townspeople, we've become so desensitized to the hurting and the lost around us that we just tune them out. We don't want to hear their cries anymore. We don't want to deal with any of their issues. We just turn up our worship music a little bit louder and tune out their cries. You see, the townspeople, they were more concerned about their business than they were about the man who was crying for help. What happened in this story? You see, the, the townsfolk, they didn't come around and gather around Jesus and what was happening here until after those pigs were ran into the sea. See, when Jesus came in and started to mess with their everyday life, started to mess with their business, and, and, and the restoration of this man was starting to impact their day-to-day, -day, their bottom line, they said, whoa, 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 we can't have that. And they ran across the town, and they gathered a crowd, and the crowd came in, and they said, what are you doing here? You're messing everything up. It's amazing how we can get our priorities in such a wrong order. They had lost sight of the bigger picture of what God was trying to do because they were so focused on their life, on their business, on their church, on their religion, on their life. They were so focused on themselves that they missed the broken man who had been there for years that Jesus came to heal. The story goes on, as we just read, that they were also afraid of the man. And you could say, oh, that's understandable. I, I would be afraid of that man as well. But did you notice when they were afraid? They were afraid of the man after he was healed, after he was normal. If you look at verse 15, it says he was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane, and they were all afraid. I think I'd be pretty afraid before he got healed. But there he is, perfectly normal, and I might argue probably a little bit normal than they were. He's perfectly normal, and then they were afraid. Why? Why would they be afraid of that? I think they were afraid of what this could mean for them. I think they were afraid of, of what this new normal could look like for them. And I wonder, church, could we be afraid of what it might look like if God really, truly showed up in our life? Could we be afraid of what might happen if God came in and started doing miracles and started changing lives around you, started setting people free, your neighbor, your coworker, came in and started changing their lives? Maybe things you've prayed for, but if you think through, if that actually happened, what would that look like? And maybe I'm not comfortable with that happening, and so I pray it, but I don't know if I really want it to happen. We become afraid of of God changing things up and shaking things up in our life and in our faith? Are we afraid that a gay man may come into our church? Are we afraid that a Muslim man may come into our church? Are we afraid that somebody who the whole town knows has been sleeping around or is the local drug dealer, are we afraid that they might come in because it might mess up how we do church? 
It might mess up our relationships. We might have to move from the seat we've sat in for 20 years and go to the other side. Sometimes it's those little things. But see, friends, God wants us to be uncomfortable so that we can get moving and start doing things for him. We can't do what he asks of us without action. It takes action to get us moving, and sometimes God wants to make us uncomfortable to get up out of our pew and start moving. Amen? It's hard to hear, but it's true for all of us. We can't bring hope to a hurting and a dying world without action. It takes action. At night, when we go to sleep, we usually have a fan on in our room at night. Just kind of that white noise. Anybody else with me? Do, do the fan or white noise? Yeah, okay. But uh, just a couple months ago, our fan was broken. And my wife often goes to bed early before I, earlier than I do. So I was coming to bed, and I always try to be really quiet. And without the fan, you have to be even quieter. So you know how the door handle like even just like clicks inside you know, when you turn it? So I'm like trying to be really quiet. And when I'm closing the door, I put my finger between the door and the door jam so that it just softly closes and then pull my finger out. My wife's like, I didn't even know you did this. That's because I'm good at it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I try to get in there quietly and I get ready for bed and I get in bed and when that fan is broken, I lay down and it's quiet. And it's like, I just want to sleep. And I start hearing all the noise. The cats are terrorizing the house outside and I can hear everything they're doing. And I'm pretty sure it's somebody breaking in and stealing my children, you know. So I'm start, starting to think like, what's going on? And I can't sleep. That silence becomes uncomfortable when I'm trying to go to sleep. You see, it was so uncomfortable for the townspeople that they asked Jesus to leave. We don't want you here. After they saw what he had done, how he had healed this man, they said, just, just, just leave. They didn't want him. They didn't want him going around their region, going around to the other towns and starting to rock the boat and changing up things from the way they used to be. You see, the townsfolk, the townspeople, they had become comfortable with the screams. They had become comfortable with the cries of the lost at night. In fact, it was their white noise. It was what put them to sleep at night. And after that screaming was no longer there, it was silent. And they didn't know what to do with their life. They didn't know what to do with themselves. The silence in the night was now deafening, and it was too much for them to handle. We can become comfortable with lost people in our world. Here's us, here's them. We can become comfortable with the lost people in our world, and it's easier to just let them be. It's easier for us to not inconvenience our life, change our schedule, reprioritize our finances, readjust our families so that we can be making a difference and an impact in those who need Jesus. It's easy for us to just keep going with the way things are and pray that somebody changes their life, somebody brings them Jesus. If we stay comfortable, they stay lost. It's not an easy sermon this morning. I, I, I know that. It's hard for me to preach too because it comes right back at me. How many times do we just stay comfortable instead of changing something, moving, taking action to make a difference in somebody's life? This morning I want to talk to you about a third character in our story. And all of my good Sunday school kids are saying, Jesus! Well, that's always the right answer, but not in this case, okay? It's not Jesus. It's a, it's a little-known character in this story. You see, Jesus is, just before this, preaching on the Sea of Galilee. 
And he tells his disciples that he wants to go over to the other side of the lake. Now, that, that little phrase in Scripture where he says, I want to go to the other side, you might just pass over that if you're reading the Bible, but, but pause there for just a second because this is a big deal. This morning, if you are far from God, if you, excuse me, if you know that, that this morning you feel distant from God, I want you to know this morning that Jesus sees you. He may be on the other side of the lake. He may be at a distance, but I want you to know this morning that, that Jesus is coming to meet your need. Jesus is coming to meet your situation. He can hear you further than the human ear can hear, you, can hear you. He heard this man on the other side of the lake, and he said, I need to go over there. I need to get to him. He needs me. And Jesus is saying the same thing about you. He's saying the same thing about your story. He is coming to intervene in your story today. If you're in a relationship with Jesus and you felt like he's far off, maybe you're not seeing him in your present life like you have before, it's like, God, I, I believe in you, but where are you? I need you to show up. Be encouraged today. Jesus is on the way. Be encouraged. He's coming. He's coming. Don't give up hope, but know that he is coming. And at the right time, at the right place, he will come to meet your need. Jesus is on his way across the lake to your situation, to your story today. Let this be a reminder to us all that not only is he coming to meet our needs, but he also is coming to meet the needs of the lost and the hurting and the broken around the world. And that should be our heartbeat as well. But at the beginning of chapter 4, where we find that Jesus is preaching here on the Sea of Galilee, Jesus got his hands on a boat. He went out into the water in this boat, and there's a hillside there next to the lake, and, and, and it made sense for him to set out in the water because there was a natural acoustic. So as he spoke out to the hillside, they could hear him a lot better as he was set out in the water a little distance. Scripture didn't tell us where this boat came from or whose boat this was, where, 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 where it came from. Was it the same boat he used to get across the lake or was it a different one? But I wonder, where did he get it? Who gave him this boat? Who was the man who gave Jesus the tool he needed to get to the other side? We don't have a name, so I call him the boatman. See, the boatman made everything in this story possible. The life change, the transformation that happened in this man's life was made possible because a guy with a boat said, yes, Jesus, whatever I have, you can have it. Whatever you need, you can take it. I don't care about my business. I don't care about my life. You take it. And he gave his boat up for Jesus. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be in my life. I want to be a person that's, that's ready in, in any moment to say yes to Jesus, no matter how much or how little he asks of me. I want to be willing to say, yes, Jesus, you can have it all. You can take it all. I will do whatever you call me to do. That's the willingness that I want to have in my heart, just like this man, this man did. And today on Speed the Light Sunday, this is exactly what Speed the Light does. Speed the Light provides the boat that brings Jesus to the hurting and the broken people. It might be a camel, it might be a car, it might be a water well, it might be a church tent. There's different things that God uses, but those tools are what brings Jesus to the hurting and the broken. Well, there's two observations that I had about the boatman. First is this, what if the boat owner had said no? What if he had come, if, if the disciples came or if Jesus came and said, hey, can we borrow your boat? Jesus wants to preach. 
What if this man said, ah, man, the fish are really biting today. This was this man's livelihood. What if they would have just said, well, I'm, I'm too busy. I, I can't give you my boat. Maybe tomorrow or maybe next week. I hear there's supposed to be some weather. Fishing's not going to be good anyway. So how about, how about next week? So many of us come up with excuse after excuse after excuse when we feel like God has told us to do something. When we feel like God has called us to do something for him, we start to come up with excuses, oh, it's inconvenient. It's hard. I, I had plans for that money. I, I have, you never know what might, hap, might happen. Our world is in a volatile situation right now. I, I really just need to save that and make sure that in case something have, happens, I have a nice savings. Maybe you have difficulty in your life, real real difficulty that you're going through right now and you say, but God, I'm the one in need. Why should I give up what I have for somebody else when I'm the one in need? Friends, we don't always know why or how God works. But if God is speaking something to you, will you be willing to say yes? I don't know how that comes through. I don't know how God returns it, but I'm telling you, friends, in my life, as I've strived to be generous and generous and generous again, more and more and stretch that muscle in my life, I have seen the favor of God on my life. And it's not just financial blessing. I had a 94 Camry that I drove for 10 years. The thing was blowing blue smoke out the back. All my youth kids made fun of me, but the thing kept running. Praise the Lord. Things like that. I know for a fact that God has saved me from accidents when I've been on the road. I know that God has blessed our family with health. I know the blessing of God has been on my life. And it's because God takes care of us when we say yes to him. This man didn't have any warning, yet he was ready in an instant. I don't want to be a man of excuses. I want to be ready. How about you? Second observation about this man. This man who made everything possible was not given any credit. We don't know his name. We don't know what happened with the boat? We don't know if he ever got his boat back. Jesus might have just left it over there and let him go get it. We don't know what happened with this boat. We don't know who this guy was or what his next day and next day turned out to be. He got no credit. His name wasn't on a plaque somewhere. His name wasn't at the top of a building. He didn't get a thank you letter from the church or the pastor. He just did what God asked him to do, and he was faithful to that. I think too many times, folks, we, we think that we're going to get credit. We think that it's about our name and making our name famous. No, it's about making Jesus' name famous. And you may not get credit for what you do for the kingdom. Some of you have lived many years serving God faithfully. You've invested in a, a, a little kid as a Sunday school teacher. And you might think, what's it all worth? Nobody knows who I am. I, I, I'm not anybody famous. I haven't made these big impacts, but if you said yes to Jesus, you said, yes, whatever I have, you can have it. You have made an eternal impact. And I'm telling you, friends, when you get to heaven, the stories will be told back to you. I was telling the kids in youth Sunday school today, when you give and speed the light, you may never know what happens, but someday you will. Someday you'll hear that story. This isn't in the Bible, but I just imagine this man that day Maybe he, maybe he went with Jesus on the boat. He's like, I'd love to drive you over there. So he took Jesus and his disciples to the other side of the lake. 
And he got to see this all take place. Can you imagine him coming home to his family and saying, you'll never know what happened today. You'll never guess. And they're thinking, what, what? Did you catch a ton of fish? He said, no, I caught one. Well, that doesn't sound very good. No, no, but let me tell you the story. This guy named Jesus, and he said, can I use your boat? And I said, yes, and you'll never believe what happened. You remember the stories we've heard of that guy on the other side of the lake who's been hurting and broken for so many years? God used me to change his life. That's all. That's the only credit I need. I don't need my name on a plaque. Friends, I hope today you'll say yes to Jesus. Whatever he asks, whenever he asks, no matter how convenient or inconvenient it is, I pray this morning that you would be willing to say, Jesus, whatever I have is yours. Use me to reach the lost. This morning as we close, I want to ask you a question. Will you be the boatman or will you be the townspeople? Will you be the person who is ready and willing to do whatever it takes to help Jesus reach those who are hurting? Will you be sensitive to the cries of the lost or will you become callous and cold and comfortable? Will you be willing to do something about the lost in this world and not just become consumed by your own peace of this world? There are broken, hurting, and lost people right here in Aberdeen who need you, who need you to do something, give something, say something, and I'm believing, I'm speaking prophetically over your life this morning. This week, you will have those opportunities. You will see God lead you to situations and people, and this scripture will come back to you and you'll remember to say yes to God. And I believe you're going to have divine appointments this week. In April of 1912 was when the Titanic set sail. And as I told you earlier, you remember the story. It was on April 14th at 11.40 p.m. when the the ship was sailing across the sea. Many were asleep. Others were having a, a fun evening on the ship. When that ship first got hit, and everybody thought it was fine initially, but over time, they realized we're in trouble here. And as they started to load those boats, there was a man on the ship by the name of John Harper. John Harper was a man who was with his daughter in Britain, but needed to get back home to America. So he and his six-year-old daughter were scheduled to go on a boat a week prior to the Titanic, but he heard of the Titanic and he thought, wow, what an opportunity. And so he traded in his ticket, paid a little more, and got a spot on the Titanic. And as that ship was sinking and starting to go down, he brought his daughter over to one of the lifeboats, handed her to another woman that was in the boat, said his goodbye, said, I'll see you later. And as he watched to make sure that she made it safely down and away from the ship, he turned around and he started to respond to the cries of the hurting and the lost on the Titanic. Survivors said that John Harper was running up and down the deck of the boat saying, women, children, and the unsaved into the lifeboats first. He was making sure that everybody had a chance to know Jesus before they met eternity. 
as he continued to run up and down the deck of the boat, he went person to person. And he said, do you know Jesus? Is Jesus your savior? Passionately trying to compel them to give their life to him, to God. Some said no, some were too distracted, but there were others that said, yes, I need Jesus in my life. And he gathered those who said yes, and survivors told of John getting with these folks on the the deck of the boat as the boat was starting to sink, and they all kneeled down, and he was seen lifting his hands to heaven and praying with these folks to come to know Jesus. As the ship began to lurch as it sunk, John saw all the people in the water screaming, dying. So he jumped in, and he swam person to person. He found a person who didn't have a life vest and was struggling. John took off his life vest, and he gave it to that person. John went person to person in the water. He said, do you know Jesus? Do you know Jesus? This story was told at a conference some many years later, And there was a man in the room who stood up and said, I'm a survivor of the Titanic. Let me tell you how the story ended. He said, I was hanging on to a piece of debris in the water. And this man, John, swam over to me. And he said, do you know Jesus? And I said, no. And he said, I'm begging you, put your faith in Jesus and your life will be saved. He said, no, I don't want to. So John said, think about it and he swam away to another person. A minute or two later, he swam back. He said, have you decided to give your heart to Jesus yet? And he said, no. He said, keep praying. So he swam back to someone else, and he came back a third time, and on that third time, he came to him, and he said, have you given your heart to Jesus yet? And the man said, no, I don't want to. Just minutes later, John was overcome by the cold of the water, froze and sunk to the bottom of the ocean. And that man said as he sat there on that piece of driftwood, thinking about what had just happened, looking at the two miles of water below him, he said, Jesus, I need you. Will you be my savior? And in that conference that day, the man stood up and he said, I'm John Harper's last convert. John Harper didn't know what was going to happen when they got on the Titanic. He didn't know what was going to take place. But he saw in a moment, he saw Jesus say to him, will you give me everything you have? And John said yes. John gave up the boat. He gave up a spot on the boat. He gave up his life vest. He gave up his life. Why? So that the hurting and the broken and the lost could know Jesus. Friends, that's what it's all about. I want to be John Harper. I want to be the boatman that says yes to Jesus. And I'm telling you, friends, each and every week, you and I have opportunities to say yes to Jesus. To say, Jesus, whatever I have is yours. Whatever you need, use me. Use me. Some of you know this, but some of you don't. You have been blessed because God wants you to be a blessing to others. Not just financially, but some of you have a a sweet family culture. My wife works in the public school. The amount of brokenness in our kids these days. 
they don't know what a family is. You don't have to have a lot of money to make an impact for the Lord. Invite a kid over for lunch, for supper, to be a part of your family. What do you have in your hand that you can give Jesus so that the hurting and the broken and the lost can come to him? Today, can you hear the cries of the lost? There's two ways to respond today. First of all, is a prayer of commitment in your heart to live a life as a boatman, saying, yes, Jesus, whatever you have, whatever you want from me, whatever I have, I give it to you. And secondly, is an opportunity to send Jesus to those far reaches in the world, to partner with Speed the Light today and get behind the students who they themselves have had a passion for the lost. You think about a teenager who has 20 bucks and says, I'm going to give it all so someone I'll never meet can meet Jesus. Wow, that's convicting to me as an adult. I hope it's convicting to you too. I want to ask everyone to bow your heads in prayer this morning as we close. I first want to ask as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed maybe you're here this morning and you've never fully committed your life to Christ this morning Jesus has asked me to give him my time and to give this platform to him and so I'm saying Jesus use that this morning if there's anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus who doesn't have a life living for Jesus maybe at one time you did you've walked away from that and in this Christmas season I can't think of a better time to come back to Jesus if you're here this morning and you believe that you need Jesus in your life and you've been living without him today's your day today's your opportunity to meet Jesus once again I don't want to embarrass you I don't want to call you out but I do want to know who you are because I want to be able to pray with you if you're here this morning and you say I need Jesus in my life, would you just lift your hand this morning? Is there anyone? Thank you, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you, sir, I see your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you might feel your heart racing. You might be a little nervous right now. That's the Holy Spirit in your life. If you feel that this morning, don't be afraid. One more minute. Is there anyone that wants Jesus in their heart this morning? Thank you, God. I want to invite everyone in here to pray this prayer with me. And those of you who are praying this for the first time or or maybe renewing your commitment to the Lord, this this is that moment where you ask Jesus into your heart. So church, would you repeat after me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. I give every day to you. Help me, Jesus, to say yes to you each and every day. 
this morning I pray over this congregation. I thank you, Lord, for what you are stirring in our hearts. I thank you, Lord, that you are stirring up a passion for the lost and the hurting and broken. I know, Lord, that this church has been a, a church that has been connected with you in, in, in that missions arm. They have been a faithful church in missions, reaching the world. And Lord, I pray that that would continue and it would expound. But Jesus, this morning, I pray that you would break our hearts for the city of Aberdeen. I pray that you would break our hearts, that you would help us to tune out from, from just our life and our busyness and to start to hear and start to see things differently, to see the hurting, to see the broken, to see the needy, to see the lost in our community and help us, Lord God, to be that solution. I pray, Lord God, that this, this week as you bring those divine appointments and you line them up, I pray this morning that, that, God, you would fill people with courage and boldness and confidence, not of their own strength, but of the anointing of the Holy Spirit upon them, that they would walk and operate with anointing in their feet, in their hands, and in their voices. And as they walk into the darkest corners of this community, into places where God's name is only mentioned as a swear word, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would intervene as they enter that room it would change the atmosphere by the power of your spirit. We're believing and we're asking for testimonies of life change to come from this Christmas week because of what you are doing in us and through us. This morning, today, God, collectively, we say yes. We say yes. Whatever you need us to do, whatever you want us to do, we say yes. And as we do that, God, I, I pray a blessing upon these people that you would continue to fuel the ministry to fuel their, their reach here in, in Aberdeen for the hurting and the broken. Thank you, God, for what you're doing. We give you all the glory and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tyler, uh, for, that, for that word this morning. Never thought I'd say it, but I, I want to be a boatman. I want to be a boatman for Jesus. Because I want to make sure that, that Jesus gets to where he needs to go. Uh, whether that's through a missionary or whether that's through us. Uh, whether that's through us telling our neighbor or, or giving so that missionaries can go throughout this world. I want to be a boatman. I don't want to let the cries of the lost be just background noise. I don't want to get used to that. And I want my heart to be broken. I want to, I want to see people the way Jesus sees people. That's, that's my prayer for our church. So today we want to give you an opportunity to give, to respond. And uh, there's lots of different ways to give. That'll, that'll all be on the screen. You can give through an envelope and drop it in the back or, or online. You can text STL uh, to that number and the amount will go directly to Speed the Light. And, and just the way I want to close today is, you know, Pastor Tyler kind of talked. We, we use this in, in the youth group or BGMC and different things like that to, to really have an opportunity to hear from God. And to take that first step of faith. So today, we're, we're going to close with a song here. And so would you just stand with me? And I want you just to begin to ask God, God, what, what do you want me to give today? What, what number do you have to put on my heart? And allow God to speak to you. And I believe he's going to put a number on your heart. It, it may seem outstanding to you. It may seem small to you. What, whatever God puts on your heart. And today, you can have that opportunity to step out in faith. Hear from God. And to give today. So we want to give you that opportunity. And so right now, let's just pray. And after we pray, we're going to sing. And after we sing, we're going to go. And uh, I encourage you, listen to the voice of God today, whatever he puts on your heart. Jesus, we trust in you. 
We trust in you today. God, we pray that you would speak. Holy Spirit, that you would make it so clear what you have for us, what, what you need today. God, it's not about an amount today, but God, it's about being faithful to your call. It's, it's about reaching and going into all the world and, and, and telling the world about you, the good news. God, I don't want to be okay hearing the cries of the lost anymore. God, I want to do something about it. God, I want to be a boatman. I, I don't need any credit today, but God, I want to get you to where you need to go. I, wanna, I want Jesus to be proclaimed to all the lost in this world, whether that's in my backyard or whether that's in Africa today. I want to be a boatman. Jesus, would you do incredible things? Speak clearly to us today. May we listen and respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's let's focus on Jesus for these next few moments together.
God, we trust in you today. We love you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in our hearts. We give you the praise and we give you the glory. Today, I'm just going to encourage you again just to respond to what Jesus spoke to your heart. And to give today anything that's not uh, marked otherwise is going to go to speed the light today as you give. And uh, we just, again, we believe it's not about the amount today, but it's about, it's about being faithful. And as we're faithful, God's going to do incredible things. We may never know the story, this side of heaven, but God is going to do incredible things through us. And I'm excited to, to see that. And I believe that as we sow seeds around this world, that God's going to do incredible things here in Aberdeen as well. I believe that. I believe that. So thank you, Pastor Tyler and Natalie and your family for coming up here. It is such a blessing and an honor to have you guys. Uh, God's doing incredible things in our teenagers, and, and we just believe for bigger and bigger increases. Uh, so thank you. Uh, let's pray and be blessed. If you need to spend time around these altars, they, they are open. Uh, but I encourage you to have a great week this way. Merry Christmas this week. It's going to be an incredible, incredible week. Jesus, we thank you uh, today for the blessings you've given us, and we give back to you today. We give joyfully. Thank you for speaking, and we step out in faith today and trust in you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed this week, church. to those